0: is a book with cosmic grandeur, but is also a simple letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. When studying any piece of scripture, it is essential we remember it has a specific author in a specific context to a specific audience. For example, Genesis was written by Moses before the Israelites entered the promised land. Ezekiel were prophecies written and spoken by Ezekiel to the Israelites living in exile, Luke was written by a doctor to a Greek audience, and Ephesians was written by Paul around 60 or 61 AD as he was imprisoned under house arrest and awaiting trial. If you had a chance to dip your toes into the extra material provided in the last week, you may have read Acts 19. This chapter paints a picture of Ephesus in the particular context of the church there. In Acts 19, we learn that Paul was in Ephesus for about two and a half years. Ephesus was a cosmopolitan, affluent port city. I want you to picture maybe New York City or Los Angeles. If you looked at the maps I provided, you can see that Ephesus boasted public baths, huge theater, government buildings, impressive Marcus, and the Temple of Artemis, or Diana, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Diana was the goddess of fertility, and temple worship dominated Ephesus culture. People came on pilgrimage, sacrifices were bought in the marketplace, temple prostitutes were sold in the temple, and the temple even served as a bank for the people of Ephesus. X 19 gives us a glimpse into this culture. There, we hear of exorcists and evil spirits, magic arts, and a wealthy silversmith named Demetrius, who made idols of the goddess Artemis. Because more and more people began following Jesus through Paul's ministry, Demetrius feared a loss of his business and that this is a direct quote from Acts 19, quote, The great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and she may be disposed of for her magnificence, whom Asia and the whole world worships. So to be a Christian in this context, you belong to a diverse community of pagan background believers and Jewish background believers in a cosmopolitan city dominated by idol worship. I'm hoping by now that you can kind of um, have a picture in your mind that you've created and maybe have your feet partially planted into the ancient world of Ephesus. So what is the First thing, Paul reminds the Ephesians. What is on the forefront of his mind? It is the identity of this newly formed community. Like a drumbeat, Paul repeatedly enunciates, in him, in him, in Christ, in the beloved. And if you if you were able to complete the first few days, hopefully you you grasped the magnificence of who we are in Jesus. Chosen, adopted, predestined, redeemed, forgiven, obtained an inheritance and sealed with the Holy Spirit. Christians are known by our fruit. Yes. But a tree is only as strong as its roots, and the stronger the roots, the stronger the tree i remember when we were raising small children we had a family verse i mean it's still our family verse but we we uh, we took this family verse on for ourselves when our kids were little it is isaiah 61:3 and quote they shall be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the lord for the display as of his splendor and as we tried as much as possible to talk about the aspects of being a strong oak tree. And often when our kids started a new school or they went to camp or they went to hang out with their friends on a Saturday night, we would send them off with a charge to remember to be an oak tree. Remember whose you are and remember to be an oak tree in this whatever it was that they were entering on. And at night, I would often put my hands on my kiddos and pray out loud over them, Lord, may, the, may their roots go down deep in you, Father, so that they would drink from the living water and flourish. I wanted my kids to know, and Paul wants you to know, Paul wanted the Ephesians to know, that it is our spiritual identity in Christ that will root us and strengthen us in this world rife with idolatry. The church in Ephesians, and we as the body of Christ, we are a new creation with a new identity in Jesus, given a new calling so that who we are, the roots that we sink down deep into God, become paramount to what we do. Because who we are will really cultivate who we become. And so within this new identity— Paul says he wants this church to know three things. Do you remember this from your Bible study last week? I'm going to break it down super simple for you all. Paul wants the Ephesians and us to know the hope of our calling, the riches of our inheritance, and the immeasurable greatness of his power. Even more simply put, and this is kind of how I help, um, how I aid myself in the memory of these things. I wanted just three words. Paul wants us to know our hope, our riches, and our power. Our hope, our riches, and our power. As we've been talking, I want you to think about this this small but growing diverse church in Ephesus, probably meeting in house churches throughout the city, the city where there was a sexualized idolatry Maybe they felt a little hopeless by the overwhelming sin that they saw around them. The temple banked wealth, and the power, as we saw by the story of Demetrius, was given to the wealthy temple merchants. And here is Paul saying to this small, diverse, but growing church, hold on, hold on. You have the true hope. You have true riches and you have true power in Jesus. And as they listen, they might still be the poorest people in Ephesus. They might be the most disenfranchised people in Ephesus, or maybe they were on the outside because they did not worship Artemis. Yet in Jesus, they are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Furthermore, Christians are about to enter into serious persecution. They don't know it's coming yet, but it is just around the corner. How important is it then for this new community to know their spiritual blessings in Jesus, the blessings that root them in him and bind them together? And what about you? You probably won't be dipped in oil and burned at the stake But when you and your community walk a road of suffering, when you feel overlooked or when you are demoted, when you trip up and fall to temptation, and when you feel your hope waning because of the idolatry surrounding you, and when maybe you feel exhausted or overworked from another long day of mothering remember who you are and whose you are. In him, you are chosen. You are predestined. You are adopted. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You have been given an inheritance, and you are sealed with the Spirit. And in Jesus, you are given a heavenly hope, riches, and power from the one who is above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named in every age and at all times. I am overwhelmed and so encouraged by God's many blessings that he has poured out on my life that number one, for my identity, and number two, will shape my calling as well. I pray that you are encouraged as well. And I'm just going to close us with a quick prayer. Father God, I pray for each one of my sisters today. I pray that they would know the roots of these deep blessings that you have poured out on us, blessings that come from the heavenly places so that we may be emboldened, encouraged, empowered, filled with hope, and know the deep riches that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I look forward to being back with you together next week. And until then, head on into Ephesians 2. Let me know if you are having any problems receiving the Bible study each week via email. Please reach out to me. I would love to make sure that you are getting those. Have a fabulous week in Ephesians 2.